0: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown.
1: A podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world.
0: I'm Courtney Kosak.
1: And I'm Sophia Alexandra.
0: And we're back with the second titty. (laughs) <laughs> number 2. Number 2 in our titty series. Two titties?
1: What? <laughs> who knows. There's going to be 3, you know, like it's uh it's like that lady in RoboCop or whatever.
0: Yeah, you can't just limit it to two titties. That's not.
1: Nah, it's unlimited titties up in this bitch.
0: It's not a binary situation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, I just started binging American Horror Story and um what's her face has three titties in it.
0: Who who has three titties?
1: Angela Bassett.
0: Oh, shit. She could rock a third titty.
1: Dude, she can rock anything. She's so fine, but especially three titties. And they're like very obviously prosthetics. Like they didn't have her do like two real titties and stick a third one in the middle. I think they were like the third one would look fake next to the real ones, So they just gave her three fake ones.
0: Right. We got to start from scratch. (laughs) 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 All right, you guys, we have... An amazing guest for you today. We have Dina Goldberg, a friend of the show, right, Sophia?
1: Yes, I'm so excited that you guys get to finally meet Dina. So Dina was introduced to me by another one of our former guests, Esther Steinberg. Oh, amazing. A double guest. Exactly. A double guest. Now she's married to Noah Garden Shorts. So she's Esther Steinberg Garden Shorts. (laughs) But (laughs) when she guessed that she was just Steinberg. And she has been friends with Dina for a while. And then Christine Little, my other bestie, met Dina and was like, you have to meet Dina. She's amazing. So these two women that I super love and admire were like, you are going to love Dina. And then I met Dina, and I was like, oh, my God, I do love her. Dina does
0: deliver. I met her right away, and I was like, oh, yeah, good energy.
1: Really good energy, super smart person with so many talents. Like, once you guys follow her on everything, you are going to see the TikToks she makes, the animations, everything. She will do a makeup tutorial. She will take a photo of your pet that'll make you cry. Like truly, she's a woman of many, many talents. She is a pet photographer. She's amazing at it.
0: Oh my God. I didn't even know that. Okay. Well, here's the deal. What she (laughs) does that we're going to talk about today is that she is a genetic counselor and her specialty is breast cancer, one of her specialties. And so we're going to talk about Like what genetic risk factors are there? What misconceptions are there about genetic counseling in general? And just some things that you should be aware of, you know, in terms of your health and breast cancer risk.
1: And if you're like us, you probably never actually had heard of a genetic counselor and certainly not in relation to breast cancer. So the reason we really wanted to bring Dina on and the information she shares is so crucial. We did not know this was a thing. (laughs) And this is such a huge key and such a huge like tool in your tool belt to make sure that your health is good, that I think we need to be telling more and more people about genetic counselors.
0: Yeah, totally. I feel like it's because the technology has advanced so quickly. It's like you think it's unattainable still, or, you know, you're not even sure what the developments have been, but it is totally accessible in a way that I didn't even realize. I'm probably going to go to Dina and have her check out my risk for a bunch of different things. So if you haven't listened to the first titty in our, uh, (laughs) endless titty series... (laughs) (laughs) No, we we definitely have three planned episodes that we want to do about breast cancer awareness. And we released the first one already with Sophia basically sharing her journey with her stage one breast cancer experience. And now we have the second installment.
1: Um, And I have to say, I've been hearing from several of our listeners since the episode Um, One from a 28-year-old woman who had found a lump and was told that she should, quote, get to know her breasts by the ultrasound technician. And that because only her mom's aunt had history of cancer, that they did not want to further the situation. And she's like, but I still feel the lump. so And that's where they left it? Yeah, and so she's going to go and advocate for herself again and insist on getting yes. um, either a 3D mammo or an ultrasound. And other people reached out and said, "Thank you, my friend's going through treatment, and you answered questions I didn't want to bother her with. So it means a lot to me that that made any kind of a difference in anyone's lives. So thank you guys so much.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great feedback. I love to hear that. Anyway, Let's get into it. This is a really fascinating conversation, and I think everyone listening is going to learn a lot. So here we go. Here we
1: go. Oh, my goodness, privates. I am so excited for all of you to meet my friend, Dina. Dina... It is a pleasure to bring you to the podcast. Everyone, please welcome Dina Goldberg. She's a genetic counselor and um, <laughs> is also spreading that information on TikTok in a really cool way. So, yeah, no big deal. She's incredible.
0: Oh, I read your article, but I didn't even know about the TikToking. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually on every social media
2: platform. Not to brag.
1: (laughs) She is. I mean, she crushes on Instagram too, but.
2: Thank you. I'm trying. It's a lot
1: (laughs) at once. You do everything. She does her own animations. She like shoots photography. What doesn't she do?
0: (laughs) Thank you. So what do you do on your TikToks? Like, you it's all breast cancer it's related to your job. So what I am is I'm a board certified genetic counselor which means that I'm certified in all the different areas
2: of genetic medicine um in counseling and helping people make decisions based on um their history and other things. And so I do practice in cancer, but and I specialize in it, but I still am certified in other areas, so I do talk about all the different areas whether it's prenatal, pediatric, cancer, Fertility, cardio, neuro, you know, mental illness, all those things.
0: Oh, everything genetics. Yes, exactly. Oh, so interesting.
1: Can you explain to people a little bit about what it takes to get certified as a genetic counselor? Sure. Kind of what you do with people when you work with patients?
2: Yes. So it is a master's degree in genetic counseling and or medical genetics. And so it's a two year program. Uh, you do you know, a thesis or capstone project, and then you have hours and hours of, of uh, clinical rotational experience. And then you go on um, after the master's and you work in a clinic, typically, sometimes in industry as well. Um, and so, and you, you, take, you sit for a board exam. So once you're board certified, and if you're in a state that needs a license, you get a license. Um, then you can go on and practice. And usually people will decide if they're in clinic, what their specialty will be. So for instance, for me, I chose cancer. That at the time was the best job and and I was most excited for when I graduated. And so what I typically do is I'll talk to people who either have cancer or who have a family history of cancer or are worried about their risk for cancer. And we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation about their risk factors, their history, what they're worried about. And so it's part counseling, but also part genetic testing uh, and explaining the options for it. And it's not always the right time for everybody. Not everyone chooses to pursue the testing, but the genetic counseling part is the discussion that happens beforehand. And then also once the test results come in a few weeks later, the discussion that happens after and then the communication with their doctors. So it's a an allied healthcare professional that works alongside a team of healthcare providers.
0: So give us a, like, for instance, like someone came in with, or is going through what, and like, what kind of things would you talk to them? Uh, well, I guess let's use breast cancer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, since we're it's trying about, to focus
1: on breast cancer. Yeah. For let's not pick a random else, illness.
0: Let's go yeah. with breast cancer. Yeah.
1: And since it's Dina's specialty, say someone came in, a patient, and was like, I want to know my risks. Uh, someone in my family has had breast cancer.
0: Yes. Well, okay, let's do – so two of my aunts – I know this is not medical advice, but two of my aunts have had breast cancer, but I have no other history really in my family. So let's use me.
2: Okay. So yeah. So without – yeah, without being medical advice, this what the typical um, thing that I would do is ask – a series of questions. And that would be about your personal history. So it would be trying to assess maybe like the time between when you first had your period and and somebody who's older when they went through menopause, when people went through childbirth, if they've been on hormonal therapy or birth control, um, things that are personal risk factors that we can use these algorithms uh, in risk assessment but also family history, which sometimes is even more of an indicator for someone's risk. So the questions I would ask you would be, um, if you knew any more about the breast cancer, how old they were when they were diagnosed, who else in the family may have uh, passed away and when and why? so it's it's a full uh, family history collection discussion, and then what I typically do with people is I kind of turn their family history around and say, "Okay, here are the patterns that I'm trained to recognize. Here's what I'm looking for. here's what I see in your family, and based on these patterns, here's what I would recommend for a genetic test, and here's why it will be helpful for you."
0: So that's kind of the discussion. So they are left with like te- more testing options, or does it determine anything treatment wise?:
2: Yeah. Both, yes. So if someone has cancer, then their genetic test result, when we do germline genetic testing, which is the, um, the type that's looking at your inherited genes, so not at the tumor itself, but at the genes that you were born with that are in every cell in your body, uh, when we do that type of testing, sometimes if people have specific mutations, then there are different therapies for their cancer that will work better than the typical chemotherapies. And so it's personalized medicine. That's one. And two is if somebody has cancer or if they don't, we can figure out what their risk is for that for other cancers, uh, and what who in their family is at risk and what they're at risk for, and how old they are when they should start screening. So, for instance, for someone who's unaffected, let's say like you were telling me about your aunt, we, I would typically offer someone like you uh, a genetic test to see if you had any of these high risk cancer gene mutations. And if you do, then we would recommend screening based on that. It would usually be earlier and more frequent. If you don't, then uh, we would base it on your family history, and I would help you kind of explore that more, maybe get your aunts to get testing um, to try and figure out if there is something in the family and what risk category you would be in.
0: Ah, uh, so interesting. So when we talk about breast cancer sorry, Sophie. <laughs> No, really no, please. This. Okay, so like personal risk versus genetic risk. You're like, sometimes genetic risk is more of a factor. Like, how does that manifest in breast cancer? So,
2: okay, I like to describe it as a big puzzle. If you imagine this big puzzle, and there's all these little pieces of the puzzle, and the the whole puzzle is your risk. And different exposures, different lifestyle behaviors, different just risk factors are usually really tiny pieces of that puzzle. But if you have a hereditary cancer syndrome or you have a a mutation that has a high risk, it's a big piece of that puzzle. It's a big, big chunk. So it doesn't, the other pieces don't matter as much if we know you have a big chunk of risk because then we really need to focus and know, we'll know that you're at that higher risk. Gotcha. So that's why, I mean, it's a better indicator because it's a much bigger risk than all these little exposures, which do add up to give people higher risk, but they're not like this big piece of
1: risk. Folks, I'm so excited. I'm leaving on my trip tomorrow and I'm excited double because I get to take my new Quip toothbrush.
0: Ooh, love it.
1: Good health starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. And it is also amazing for travel, which is why I am psyched to take my Quip on my trip tomorrow.
0: Oh, hell yeah. It's so good for travel. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths, and it has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean.
1: And I also love, love, love how lightweight and sleek it is and there's no wires, like you don't need to plug it in like my old electric toothbrush. There's no charger to bring with you when you travel. Basically, it's sleek and it comes in a little tube that you can twist closed and doesn't leak anywhere. It's incredible. Honestly, you could masturbate with it. That's
0: (laughs) off-label use. (laughs) And Quip's not a one-trick pony, no. In addition to brush heads, they also deliver fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from $5. Shipping is free so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping.
1: With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just 25 bucks, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health.
0: Quip is such a good deal. If you go to getquip.com private right now, you get your first refill free.
1: That's your first refill free at getquip.com private. Spell g t q u i p dot com slash private.
0: Quip, the good habits company.
1: So one thing that most people are aware of when it comes to genetic testing for breast cancer is just the BRCA tests. Can you explain how those fit into the scheme of genetic testing that you do and what the extra stuff? is, that's not that. Sorry, I'm such a (laughs) woman. I
0: know, know, I'm trying to like keep up with the terminology here. Okay, (laughs) so. What
1: other stuff do you guys, (laughs) what kind of doctor magic do you do?
2: (laughs) I will, I'm happy to explain that. So BRCA is the most famous of all of these genes. And that's because it's actually the most common cause of hereditary breast and ovarian cancer which we now know isn't just breast and ovarian, it's also pancreatic prostate and melanoma, and and it affects both men and women, but women tend to have, when I say women, women assigned at birth tend to have higher uh, frequencies of cancer, higher rates of cancer than men who carry this, but still important to know. So for a a long time, that was the only gene we really knew about because it was so penetrant. It, It really showed up a lot in family histories. And as our technology got better and as testing got cheaper and easier and faster, we were able to test more genes. We were able to discover that there were more genes. And so BRCA, it is talked about a lot. It is very common, but there are other really common genes as well. So there's one called PALB2 that's kind of like a cousin to BRCA1 and 2 because it also gives a really high risk of breast cancer. And then there are some that are more moderate risks. So they like having this mutation itself we would recommend different screening because the risk isn't as high as BRCA1 or 2, but it's still different than the typical medical plan. So what we do is we test a panel of genes. We never just test one gene at a time, unless we know that someone has that in a relative. We're not going to just test one gene. We always do a panel. And unfortunately, not every doctor, not everyone is trained in genetics, and they may only order two genes, even though there should have been more ordered. So that's what we do, we do panel testing to look at all the breast cancer genes. And in many of, at least my patients, they'll want to look at all the cancer genes in general, just to make sure we're not missing anything since we're already doing genetic testing. There could be other genes maybe that aren't typically associated with breast cancer, but in their case, they may have a mutation in one of those genes. And, and therefore, it's important to know. So there's a whole group of them, basically.
1: Are genetic counselors certified the same way internationally?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. So, so North America, yes, for the most part. So Canadian and North American and US genetic counselors are are very similar. I am not sure. I don't know a lot about other countries and how they're doing it. I know, I know that there are definitely programs in other countries, but I'm not sure how they're certified or how that works. So I'll I'll have to look at that.
1: (laughs) How would someone living in North America find a local genetic counselor?
2: Sure. So there's a website called findageneticcounselor.com. Super easy. You put in a zip code. You can figure out, you know, what medical centers have genetic counselors near you. Uh, The second thing I recommend for people is there are a lot of telehealth companies that are now offering genetic counseling, including the one that I'm working for, um, which is called Genome Medical. So, if you can't find a local genetic counselor or one that's within like a six hour drive, let's say you can make an appointment on using telemedicine and get an appointment at one of these companies within a few days and go through the process from your home. And it's really easy because we don't do physical exams ever. We're, we're having a discussion. We're taking a history. So it's very easy to do over telemedicine. We can send a saliva kit to somebody's house. They can spit in the tube, send it back. You know, it's just as good as doing blood. So, it makes it really easy to be able to see people.
0: Yeah. It's not like you're like drawing the blood anyway. You'd send them to the lab, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. In your article that I read, you outlined some like popular misconceptions about genetic counseling or like popular beliefs about how that factors into by race. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah,
2: a lot of people think that genetic counseling is like a luxury, extra frou-frou service, and, and it's not. It's available for everybody. For the most part, it's covered by insurance, and if it isn't, there's a lot of financial aid available. And so you can think of genetic counselors as another specialist. So just as your doctor may refer you to a cardiologist if you have a heart issue, if you are worried about your risk for something, they can refer you to a genetic counselor. And their genetic counselors work in all these different settings. And so when that article I think you're referring to, I was talking about how there was a misconception that only people of European ancestry or who are considered white, right, have these mutations. And that's just not true. Hereditary cancer syndromes happen in every single ethnicity, race, ancestry, background And we're still learning a lot about them because we don't have as much information from um, non-white genomes in the databases. And so as we're learning more, we're really learning that these rates are the same or higher um, of these hereditary cancer syndromes. And so there's this disparity in the information we have in all genetic information and in all of our international databases. And I think that's something that our field is working on. Um And trying to equalize that so that we don't have these disparities, and so we can help more people um, get this service.
0: How do you fix the databases being skewed? It's just like getting more information, yeah, you know, more collection, more focus on research studies that involve non-white people. All those things,
2: all of the above. Yes. So there's a lot of reasons why there are those disparities, and a lot of it um, stems from mistrust of the medical community because of historical actions and mistrust of of the medical community using data and and privacy issues. And so uh, what we can do is kind of uh, have better communication, uh, be more transparent, and try and recruit these populations to participate in research. And this is a big hot topic right now, so there's not really a great right answer to how we're doing it, but there's a lot of initiatives happening right now to try and fix it.
0: Is that because COVID kind of brought that more to the forefront? Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> With all the Black Lives Matter stuff and, and all of the diversity discussions we've had, uh, it's come out in the field of genomics a lot more. It's, it, people have talked about it for many years, but it's really bubbled to the surface because of all of these discussions.
1: Gotcha. I mean, you're not a person of color, so I understand that you can't answer this completely, and we will have other people weighing in on this that are, but in what ways do the disparities harm communities that are not white? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So just from the science point of view, so one of the types of genetic tests that's becoming more mainstream is called polygenic risk scores. And so for a really long time in medical genetics, we were using what's called monogenic genetic testing, meaning we're looking at a single gene change and how that affects a person. And uh, that doesn't really matter. Someone's ancestry isn't as important there because we know that gene and it works the same in all humans. And we know typically what versions are normal and which ones are not. But once we're looking at polygenic risk, it's basically an algorithm looking at how different genetic changes interact with each other. And as you can imagine, those in one ancestry group versus those in another are going to have different overall variations in their genome. And so these algorithms that we have been using or that have been developed for using this thing called the polygenic risk score is really only helpful for the European community. And so it causes a big disparity because there's kind of this talk of, well, should this even be offered if it's really only beneficial for one community or should it not be offered at all? And some people believe, yes, because you can help that community, but others believe no, because it's not really fair um, because it only helps one community. So that's one of the examples of where this disparity really is affecting people today. And I think other examples are just, you know, all the mistrust that's happening and the fact that we are still learning about the normal variation of the human genome in different ancestry groups. And so the more we know, the more we can interpret someone's uh, genetic changes. So even with those monogenic changes that I was talking about earlier, or the single gene changes, um, it is still important that we get information from every population around the earth to be able to really understand those changes.
1: Hey, just because you're grown up doesn't mean you've outgrown bedtime stories. Whether you want a story to turn you on or wind you down for better sleep, Dipsy helps you get in touch with yourself for some extra sweet dreams.
0: Mmm, I love that ghost dick. (laughs) (laughs) Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right there.
1: Find stories about an off-limits hookup with your professor, meow, or a costume party that takes things to the next level. Or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do, or you try a new toy together.
0: Yes, 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 yes. All that sounds amazing. And they release new stories every week so there's always more to explore. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, there is something for everyone.
1: Yeah, and it's really nice to keep finding new favorites. Plus, Dipsy also has wellness sessions that help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off.
0: And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private.
1: That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash private. That's
0: DipsyStories.com slash private. What inspired you to go into this?
2: Yeah. So I have a little sister with a chromosome abnormality. So I was always interested. I started out wanting to work in um, genetics of disability and helping people get diagnoses so that they could better personalize the treatment for their children and understand their diagnosis. Because for my sister, knowing, my, my mom found out when she was a newborn. And so we were able to, she was able to have every intervention possible. And that really helped, you know, how she turned out. And, and she's very high functioning compared to what she could have been without those interventions. So I wanted to help families get those interventions, but then I kind of like zigzag through genetics because it's so interesting. And I just ended up working originally in a breast cancer research lab, then going to grad school. And then that was just the
0: job that I took. And I really loved it. So that's kind of how I got into it. I love that. It's so fascinating. Is there anything, this is so, you know, broad question, but what's the most interesting or like fascinating thing you've learned on your job?
2: Oh, um, fascinating, like just a genetics fact.
0: Just, yeah, like something that you've learned about genetics. It can be breast cancer or not, whatever. Or not.
2: I think that- Let's it's, nerd out for
0: a second. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I think one of my favorite things in my training was learning about dysmorphic features or dysmorphology. That's It's a field where you are actually looking at the subtle, slight changes in someone's facial feature or their body features. Right. So like just little things that maybe we don't always notice or that we do notice, but we don't know how to exactly call them out. And so learning about what those were, why they happen, like you learn about embryological development and why those things occur the way they do. And some of the the rare birth defects and how they can happen, I think, is incredibly interesting. And just being able to kind of some people you can actually tell like right away. That they have a certain syndrome, it's like so striking because there's this set of features that you see, and i I didn't think that was something that was real until I was training and and it was it there was one time where i I walked into the room and I knew exactly what that person's syndrome was just by looking at them you know and so that's I think it's really cool. dysmorphology is really interesting
0: that's fascinating I didn't even know that that's because when I think of dysmorphia, I think of myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh right not like she's so- like can you tell that I have body dysphoria by <laughs> my jeans?
0: <laughs> probably <laughs> which are my a mom size heroic, zero by yeah. the
1: way <laughs>
0: <laughs> um no but they're spelled the same way
2: yeah because um I think the latin when you look at the word dysmorphic it means um like abnormal f- uh, form so, oh. so I think it, when you're, when you have dysmorphia, you, you are perceiving a form abnormally, but, um, if you're, if you have dysmorphic features, then you have the abnormal form of those
0: features. I'm oh, guessing. Great. Cool linguistics. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so like fetal alcohol syndrome is that's what you're talking about where there's like a specific kind of like set of features that go along with that?
2: yeah. So anything that has the word syndrome, many of those will have a specific set of features. So syndrome is, means constellation of sim- symptoms. So sometimes those are um, like health symptoms and sometimes they're literally just like findings, like what, what, I, what are called the dysmorphic features, because they're really benign. They don't do anything for the most part harmful, but they're just flags that would tell you what to look for when you see that constellation of, of these things at once. Um, So it's kind of like you're a medical detective. Like that was one of my favorite parts of my training was really being that medical detective
0: and thinking about that stuff. That's so cool. So like when you're talking about the interventions, like with your sister and stuff, I mean, how in most syndromes, can they make a huge impact if you get in early? Yes. So
2: there's a whole area of genetics called inborn errors of metabolism. You don't really have to understand biochemistry. All you have to know is that biochemistry is this incredibly complicated network of chemicals that work together to run our body, right? And so if we know that there's a disruption in one pathway and we know all of the things that that disrupts, um, we can actually go in, depending on what the pathway is, and possibly give someone a supplement that could then uh, replace the function in that pathway, and so for for instance there's this thing called PKU um, which is uh, if you look at Coke bottles, when anything that has phenylalanine on it, it'll say that it contains phenylalanine. And oh it's yeah, because, I drink
0: a ton of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's because that people were um, who had PKU didn't know that that was actually for them it can cause um, brain damage and and da- development issues, and so they used to be institutionalized. But as soon as we discovered that just avoiding that chemical um, and living a certain the dietary uh, lifestyle, they would live completely normal lives. So those kinds of genetic syndromes, there's actually a lot of intervention that we can have, especially if we do it early. So that's an example of one of those that there is, it, it makes a huge difference just knowing that information.
1: That's crazy. How did they figure it out?
2: So now there's this thing called newborn screening. So in every state, they do this heel prick where they actually test um, every infant to see if they have any of these conditions because it is so important for them to know right away.
0: What initially happened was there was a little baby that was drinking a lot of sugar-free Red Bull. (laughs) It was a really bad scene.
1: Uh, for those of us who are just listening to the podcast and not watching, she was holding up a can of sugar-free red that She's addicted to. <laughs> All
0: right, y'all, it's back to school for your sex education because we just got new like a kitten boxes. Oh, oh. Boom, boom, boom,
1: boom. <laughs> I love like a kitten time. When that box comes, I am so thrilled to crack it open. There's always so many fun things there. What did you get this time? Oh my God, I got so much
0: stuff. Those sound effects that you heard earlier, those were actually our orgasms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just our clits vibrating. That's what you heard. (laughs) Okay,
0: let me talk you through it, Sophia. I got Think Clean Thoughts Toy Cleaner because I needed some new toy cleaner. I was getting really dirty and so I'm very happy to have that. I got some new kitten ears, which I know you'll appreciate.
1: (laughs) Meow. She's looking at me literally wearing my cat ear headphones as we record, so yes.
0: Perhaps my favorite thing is called Pleasure Hunter. It's a Pleasure Hunter vibe, anal beads, a rabbit, and a twin tip. So...
1: Talk about a
0: jack-off fest, let me tell you.
1: Oh shit, that looks really good. I think I'm gonna have to get that next time.
0: But, so, if you're a renowned Sagittarius... (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, here's the thing. I normally am completely ambivalent about astrology unless things in my life are falling apart and then I immediately go to it because I am insane. And then you're so, like, this is totally real. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this will work. This one will work. Um so yeah, anyway, because of, you know, the world falling apart, I have been anxious. So immediately I was like, a Sagittarius box? Yes. So I ordered that. It comes with a really cool like lapis lazuli little like necklace. And it's got like a like a ginger-spiced clip balm Ooh. that I'm excited to use with like the little finger vibe that Ulsa comes with that is hella powerful. So yeah, all of that looks great. I also got a bath bomb, I got a book about goddesses Damn. that I'm very excited to learn about. And I got a little cute black um, Satin robe with a kitten embroidery I got a on robe it. Too, I love Ooh, it. Oh, did you got a black one too, or did you get another color?
0: I got a black one, but I got the fuzzy one.
1: Yeah, I got the like silky one, and it's it's really cute. And what else did I get? Oh, and I got some really good lube.
0: Ooh. So if you wanna go back to school for your self-love and your own sexuality, which I encourage you to do.
1: Or you wanna pamper someone in your life. Hell yeah.
0: Well, you are in luck because right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout.
1: Yeah, seriously, that's incredible. Twenty percent off and free shipping. You guys, you have to go to likeakitten.com/private. Meow.
0: And let us know what you get.
1: Oh, I also got these very hot bracelets that are actually handcuffs. Ooh, they're so sexy. They're Ooh. like gold and whatever. Anyway, get this box for real. I'm into it. <laughs> uh- I mean, a big part of what you do is the counsel part. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask, what do you think is the most important guidance that you give to people that come in looking for breast cancer answers?
2: Yeah. So for instance, when a lot of people will come in and they say, you know, I don't really want to know, or I don't know if I want to know this information. And everybody who's saying that is saying that because of their um, their fear, right That's what's really in, at the stem of everything mm-hmm. and so um, I have this discussion with every with the, these people who who feel this way um, that basically knowing this information gives you more control and a lot of the fear people have comes from the lack of control and uncertainty and so, most people already have this anxiety because of this uncertainty and knowing this information can only help because it only gives people more control or if there's a negative result it just they're they're still where they are or maybe they'll feel better because they have a negative result so really i talk through all of the outcomes from the test all the possible outcomes and how that would change their care and how they'd feel about it and Uh, I'd say the majority of my patients decide to test after that conversation and feel really happy they did. And many people leave the appointment saying that they feel a lot less anxious leaving than they did coming in. And so I think that that's one of the most important um, parts of my job is helping people with that. Um, The other part I think is I've had patients where they believe that they are going to die because they had a parent that died at a certain age. And so they truly believe Mm -hmm. that they are not going to make it past that age. I had a patient once who didn't opt into retirement benefits because she didn't believe she'd make it to retirement. And after working with her and finding out that she didn't have a mutation, she told me like years later that she decided to have children after that because she didn't even think that she was going to survive long enough to get retirement or to even be able to have raised children
1: and so that's an incredible gift to give someone
2: absolutely yeah yeah and that that was you know not unfortunately it was not uncommon so yeah it was it, it's almost like unraveling this part of someone's identity that they really cling to and don't realize they're clinging to that the, or a narrative that they believe about their future that may not necessarily be true. So being able to talk to people about what their perceived risk is versus what their actual risk is, I think, is one of my favorite parts of my job.
0: What kind of things are you, like breast cancer specific, are you able to like arm them with post after you've done the test and you have the conversation? What kinds of pieces of control are you able to give them decision wise?
2: Sure. So there's a few things. So there are one extra screening protocol. So somebody may, instead of doing mammograms every year at 40, they may start at 30. They may do mammograms alternating with MRIs, which are two different ways of visualizing breast tissue. And so it gives someone more control over how often and how their breasts are being looked at in hopes that they'll find something very, very early.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the other
2: thing is taking things like tamoxifen, which is a way to lower your risk for breast cancer if we know their risk is high enough based on our calculations and uh, and then there's also the option of a preventative mastectomy, which is what Angelina Jolie chose to do, which is mm-hmm. you know a major surgery, but it is something that a lot of people feel really good that they were able to do because then they don't have that huge you know worry over their head. Um, so those are three of the examples of of things we can recommend for people and it depends on the cancer like every cancer is different with colon cancer colonoscopy is someone's best friend with um, other cancers there may only you know only be more or less options so but with breast it's mostly the imaging the chemo preventative agents and or doing the surgery
0: and like Sophia we were just talking about this earlier today but was this in genetic testing that they found out the triple positive thing that told you you would react well to
1: chemo? That was the tumor biopsy and then the full tumor workup after the surgery. But I mean, I didn't even know that people like Dina existed when I got my diagnosis and stuff. If I would known about that, I think that's kind of, to me, was the thing that blew my mind when like I met you and we talked about this, was that Instead of doing the BRCA1 and 2 test, I could have done a more significant genetic workup and maybe would have been on top of things earlier. Mm. I also, if someone would have told me, see a genetic counselor at 30 because your grandma died, you know, or whatever. I just feel like there's things that could be done. And listening to you, I mean, I feel like listening to this episode is going to. Give a lot of people the knowledge that they need to arm themselves with like way better decision making.
0: Totally. And I feel like new modern mistake is like people will get those DNA tests, you know, like through the internet, and then they won't have someone like you that's able to be like, no, this is what this means. You're not a doctor. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, so many points. Okay, so yes. So the 23
2: DCMEs, the ancestry DNAs it's so important that people realize the technology that's used in those websites or in, in, in those tests is very different from medical testing. So I actually have a YouTube video on this, but there's um they, they use something called SNP genotyping. So they're looking at bookmarks along the genome. Whereas in medical genetic testing, we're using sequencing. We're reading through every letter of all the genes. We're looking for pieces missing or added. And so, for instance, for BRCA1 and 2, just those... 23andMe looks at three points along this gene that has thousands of letters. And you can have a a mistake in any of those letters that can cause disease. 23andMe is looking at three very specific common letters. And so if you have one of these mutations outside of those three, and there are like, I think, 3,000 other places where you can, that we know that people have mutations, you're going to be negative on this test. And so there's so many false negatives and then when there is a true positive, when someone really comes up positive, usually if they're positive, they, they truly are um, on these sites, there, there isn't somebody to talk to them about it. So I have a love-hate relationship with them because I think they're great because they bring awareness. And sometimes people find this out and then go through genetic counseling after that, um, which they wouldn't have done without that test. But I think there's this lack of real awareness that you're not getting a comprehensive evaluation or comprehensive mm-hmm. test. That being said, I do want to say that the most that genetic testing, real medical genetic testing is out of pocket is $250. So really? the $199, yeah, the $199 that people or whatever that they're paying for for these things. Exactly. It's like you can pay $50 more and you get genetic counseling and genetic testing.
0: Oh, my God. I had no idea that it was that affordable. And yeah, of course, you should go to the real person. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I think the pitfall is that some people feel, well, I want to get tested for everything. And they feel that they think 23andMe is doing that, but they're not. Um, It's a very small amount of data that you're really getting back. And the interpretation is very different than a medical test. So there are ways that we, we can do preventative tests for people that don't have a history that just want to know or they're adopted or whatever. But 250 is the price for a very good cancer panel. And yeah, so that's something I like to tell everybody. It used to be thousands of dollars. It no longer is. It's still a really great test, really easy to do. And there are a few companies in particular that are doing it. And yeah, so that I highly recommend if somebody wants to do cancer genetic testing, they either find a genetic counselor to do it with. Uh, or they find a company that provides genetic counseling with their test.
0: Well, you do telemedicine. So is there a way that if someone wanted to work with you, they could get in touch with you?
2: Sure. So uh, as of now, I'm mostly working with this company, Genome Medical. If you go to genomedical.com slash individuals, you can actually schedule an appointment and you can use your insurance to pay for it. Or I believe it's like $179 out of pocket for the appointment. And then the test itself may be covered by insurance or is $250. So I believe that's the current pricing. So that's a really easy way to do it. If you wanna see me or any of my colleagues there, you know, we're happy to, to talk to any of you about this. And you know most of us are licensed in certain states, so I wouldn't be able to see everybody, but if you're in the state of California or a state that doesn't require licensure, then I'd be happy to work with you. Amazing.
1: And Dina, you're incredible. Where can people find you? Because you make so much content that's incredible. Where can people find Thank
2: you? Thank you. So I go by Dina DNA. So that's D-E-N-A, just one E. And um, so DinaDNA.com. I also am on uh, Instagram as Dina.DNA. On Twitter, Dina TalksDNA. On YouTube, you can literally just go to my website and you'll see all of my um Handles because I couldn't get all Dina DNA, so I had to like, they're all a little different. I wish I could do them all the same, but that's how it is for now.
0: <laughs> 2021 amazing. problems, yeah. Yeah, what's your
2: website? <laughs> www.dinadna.com.
0: Okay, amazing. I just feel like I want to talk to you about genetics all night. <laughs> yeah, no, eye opening, I mean, right?
2: <laughs> uh, we, yeah, I love this. I could literally talk for hours, like in hours because like what I do. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention. So we know that there are certain ancestry groups that do have a much higher risk. So for instance, those who have Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, meaning Eastern European ancestry and are Jewish, uh, have a 10 times higher chance of having a BRCA mutation. And the reason for that is because of shared ancestry There are these three what we call founder mutations that are really, really common in today's Ashkenazi Jews. And so the national guidelines say that anyone who is Ashkenazi Jewish should be offered at least the three founder mutations. However, I feel like if you're going to be doing genetic testing, you might as well look at BRCA1 and 2 and some of these other genes, especially if there's a family history. And at this point, there's a certain criteria you have to meet for your insurance to cover testing. But not everyone who has a mutation will meet that criteria. So we know that 50% of people with BRCA mutations actually don't have family history of breast cancer. And the reason of that is is most likely because they inherit it from their father. And because the male risk is so much lower, uh, it may appear invisible for multiple generations, even though it's still there. Or they may have gotten a different cancer that's not breast cancer. And so um, even if you like if you have a small family or you don't know your family history on one side and you're interested in doing this testing, I recommend it. I've seen people come through clinic that have no history, that have these mutations, and it's really life changing and really important information. So. That's my little PSA. Um, And the last thing is that men can also get breast cancer. So a lot of people think only women do, but men get it as well. And when a male has breast cancer, it is also a red flag for being part of a hereditary cancer syndrome as well. So a lot of times people with male breast cancer will have um, BRCA mutation or one of these other high-risk cancer genes mutations. And knowing that information is helpful to see if there are other cancer risks for them or their relatives too.
0: Ah, this has been so
2: fun. Thank you so
0: much. Absolutely.
2: (laughs)
1: Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Thanks for coming on. We love you, Dina.
2: I love you.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, that was so fascinating. I was just nerding
1: out the whole time. (laughs) It's so fascinating and truly information that everyone should know.
0: Yeah, I agree. So you guys got your marching orders from Dina. Make sure you check your risk. As we've discussed, it's probably affordable for you. And it's definitely something you should prioritize. I mean, our health is very important. So,
1: And like Dina said, there's financial aid available if you can't afford a genetic counselor. And also if... The financial aid isn't enough. You know, reach out to us. I'll do what I can.
0: Okay, shit. (laughs) You get a genetic test. You get a genetic test.
1: (laughs) All right, mommy. (laughs) You're like, a comedian who makes zero dollars goes broke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was really helpful information. I'm so glad we got to talk to her. And coming up next... Believes it or not.
1: Shut up. No one believes it.
0: <laughs> Belize is coming, you guys. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb ass music?
1: This bomb ass music is by our bomb ass friend, Amy Roche. You should check her out on Spotify. Her last name spelled R A A S C H.
0: This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio.
1: Whee! Love you are a precious baby Like baby Jesus But you didn't have to die Congratulations
0: <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I just want everybody To know we do not rehearse this Before <laughs>
1: Whatever she uh, says I Is a surprise pretty to pretty all obvious. of us <laughs> I think and me too I think it's <laughs> pretty obvious That we did not rehearse that And we never do <laughs>
0: oh oh my god yeah it's gotten oddly religious lately
1: (laughs) it's the holiday spirit Courtney. dear god come
0: help (laughs) save this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and now it's time for
1: the review of the week
0: dear god i wish we had a review to read you i just had to email Someone who just sent us nice words and email them and be like, hey, can you do a review instead?
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's so embarrassing.
0: I know, I was like, you did the nice thing in the wrong spot, if you could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the nice thing in the wrong spot is honestly the name of my memoir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so all of you guys can go to the right spot, which is com slash private. And leave us your sweet nothings. And then, hey, if you want to hit me up on the emails, I'd be happy to hear from you. Oh, and the social meds. Sophia, where can people find you?
1: Well, you can find me at the Sophia, S-O-F-I-Y-A, on Twitter and Instagram. Cokes. where can people find you?
0: I'm at Courtney Kosak, last name K-O-C-A-K on everywhere. I'm at Coco Peep Show on OnlyFans, if you're nasty. And you can follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. They restrict us to at Private Parts Un, which is fine with us. And if you wanna subscribe to our newsletter, head on over to the website, go to privatepartsunknown.com, sign up for our newsletter, We're actually on Substack right now, so you can also go to privatepartsunknown.substack.com. Our newsletter is popping off, is it not, Sophia?
1: Yeah, and for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we gave some great tips. So if you want to get cool tips, whether it's about masturbating with a butt plug or checking yourself for lumps, This is the newsletter for you.
0: (laughs) Sophia is rocking it with the tips. Two of her distinguished posts. Seriously, go back, check out the archives and sign up because we have been crushing it with the newsletter content. And if you want to reward us for making all this amazing content, again, go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and make us feel good. Okay.
1: We need it. Oh, we do. Did you know that October and April are the highest months for suicides? Did you know that?
0: Well, thank God we made it to November. I
1: know. That's what I'm saying. And you know how I was talking to you and I'm like, everyone's depressed. Me, you, everyone I know. And then I read that fact and I was like, oh, okay. That tracks. Oh, yeah.
0: It does feel like some energetic force that is outside of Anyway, privates, we love you. (laughs) We hope you're feeling okay and you're not sad. And if you are, hit us up on the social meds and we'll make you feel good.
1: (laughs) We really will. And also, again, you made it to November. God bless.
0: Yeah, we're all going to be okay. Okay, check you next time.
1: Bye.